0: Welcome to John Longwell Media, creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's sermon is entitled, Can You See the Opportunity? Recorded on November 13th, 2022 at Revived Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to learn new things, things that were recorded so long ago, Father God, and yet the word that you spoke is relevant for us here and now for our lives. Prepare us, equip us, Father God. Allow us to receive from you today what it is that you have for each and every one of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at the single chapter, shortest book of the New Testament, um, Philemon. And a little bit of background on Philemon, on who this gentleman was, he was at the church in Ephesus, before there was a church in Ephesus, he was uh, saved under Paul the Apostles' ministry, and later he went back to um, Colossae, and he um, and another person named Epaphras uh, basically became uh, co-church house leaders, and So he was active in ministry, uh, uh, found his salvation through Paul's ministry. And Paul is writing this letter from prison in Rome. And the letter comes out as a result of him actually meeting a person named Onesimus. Now Onesimus was a slave that was owned by Philemon. And Philemon and Onesimus ended up having some sort of a disagreement, some sort of a falling out, and Onesimus ran away. We're not told specifically what this fallout was, but basically he is now a slave on the run. He finds his way to Rome, either by God's divine providence, or because he knew that uh, Philemon and Paul had a relationship, and maybe he was seeking out Paul for assistance um, in how to basically repair the situation that occurred between him and Philemon. So Onesimus is in Rome. He is um, hanging out with Paul, and he ends up getting saved, as I'm sure Paul had that effect on many of the people that hung out with him. And so now he is not only... uh, saved but he is helping out Paul because Paul is incarcerated in Rome and uh, Onesimus is helping him out because obviously there are things that you can do in prison and there are things that you can't do and so by virtue of this uh, he provided great assistance to Paul. The, uh, the, whole, the whole crux, the whole purpose for Paul's letter to Philemon was to seek the uh, reconciliation of the relationship between Onesimus and Philemon. And so we're going to read through the letter of uh, Paul's letter to Philemon once again with this background and this perspective in mind so that you can gain a little bit better understanding of Paul's purpose. I did wanna share one other little thing just about the nature of slavery in Rome because coming from our United States American background, we have a very specific idea of what slavery involved and slavery during this period in Rome was very different Slavery in Rome really occurred when Rome conquered another country. And so those uh, people that were conquered as part of the spoils of war would become slaves of Romans. And so you had a lot of slaves that were from uh, a very mixed race and culture of people, and so they were not all the same. And um, there was a real diversity within that group. Uh, People would also become a slave if they had a debt. They would become what's called a bond servant, and they would become enslaved to the person to whom they had the debt, and they would be a slave until they worked the debt off and it was paid. Another thing that is a little bit different about the nature of a Roman slave is a Roman slave could actually purchase their own freedom. So if they worked long enough, they could actually buy their freedom from their master, and they were free. So it was much more culturally based. It was not as oppressive as what slavery was in the understanding that we have from our American culture. Um, Another thing that's kind of interesting about Roman slaves is sometimes after a slave purchased his freedom, and just for an idea of what that would involve, they would have to pay either in one lump sum or over time, about 450 denarii, um, or an equivalent to about $32,000. And sometimes after the slave uh, purchased their freedom, if they had a really good relationship with their masters, A lot of them sometimes would stay on and actually work for them. They would become employees of that person gaining a living wage because one of the things about slaves in Roman times is they could have a family, they could have children, and so it was very much more about a person living, not just being property and um, living under an oppressive kind of a system. And so I share that so you'll gain a better perspective when we get into some of the details on the kind of relationship that Philemon possibly had with his uh, servant Onesimus. Okay, so let's go ahead and begin in verse 1. We have the very typical kind of greeting that Paul uh, has in many of his letters. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house. So he's basically just giving a greeting to everybody that would have been within that realm to whom may read or or be read this letter. Grace unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I also thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. And by the way, I am reading out of the New International Version. Typically, I will read out of the ESV, but there's a specific verse here in verse 6 that is very, is captured really uniquely that I wanted to share. And so that's why we're reading out of the NIV today. In verse 6, it says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith, may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So basically, Paul is giving a con- a, com- a commendation to Philemon. He is talking about the character that he has as a Christian leader, and he's also giving him an an encouragement here. I pray that your partnership with us, and that partnership is really that Greek word koinonia, which means um, to share in common, mutual participation. And what they share is with us in the faith And then he's saying, because you share this in common with other believers in the faith, that you may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. And this verse is really going to come in key later on when Paul makes his appeal on behalf of Anisimus. So picking up in verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. So... (laughs) As Philemon is reading this, he's getting a sense that, oh, okay, there's going to be something asked of me. And Paul has presented, he's basically kind of establishing his foundation in reference to Philemon. He said, I would have liked to, to," um, he says, I prefer, instead of using this bold order, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. And so basically he's now going to get into talking about the kind of relationship that he has with Philemon. And he's basically saying, you know, even though I was the one that was instrumental in bringing you into uh helping you uh find that salvation he goes the whole heart of this relationship that we have in Christ is love, and because of that, I now want to interact with you on this same basis and then he kind of he kind of makes light a little bit he says it is. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And so he's kind of backing it off. He established kind of his credentials. And then he says, I'm appealing to you in love. And then he kind of soft shoes it a little bit. And he says, you know, I'm just an old guy. Now I'm I'm a prisoner on top of that. He says, "I, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus and listen to the language that he uses in describing his relationship with Onesimus he says who became my son while I was in chains formerly he was useless to you but now he has become useful to both you and to me and so basically he is he's telling that story he goes he got saved while I was here in Rome in prison and he says um, although he was Formerly, he was useless to you, and what he's talking about is he now, he now knows that Onesimus is no longer with Philemon, his master, and so obviously he's of no use to Philemon to serve him as a, as a slave, as a servant, to do the things that he would be doing as a slave, because he's not there. He goes, <clears throat> he goes, but now everything has changed, and he has now become useful both to you, which is kind of a little bit of a foreshadowing um in how he wants uh Philemon to to perceive Onesimus and he says as he is to me um because uh, as we as i talked about earlier uh Onesimus has become a servant to Paul who's in chains, who's um, in prison. He's been of great assistance to him. And I just wanted to share just another kind of little cool uh, play on words. The name Onesimus means useful. And so how cool is it that God gives us not only our title, but a title that is in also keeping with the purpose of our lives. And so in verse 12, uh, Paul says, Basically states what it is that he's going to do. He says, "I am sending him, who is my very heart." He once again he emphasizes the nature of the relationship that he has with Anisimus. Which, as he's making these statements, he's also basically wanting. Um, Philemon to understand that in the same way that he has that heart relationship with Philemon, he now has that same kind of relationship with Onesimus. He says, "I'm sending him back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent." And so he's basically he's basically acknowledging that by law this Person Anisimus, he, you you own him. You are the one that really has the final say over what should happen to him. I acknowledge that. I and really what he's getting to the point is he's all he's bringing this whole thing to this this one little point where he's basically saying, I acknowledge all of these truths, and now I want to bring you to a point where you will make a decision based upon all of the facts that I'm outlining. And so he says, Um I didn't so so that any favor that you do would not seem to be forced, but would be voluntary. He's basically saying, I don't want what it is that I'm asking to just be an assumed answer by you. I really want this to come from your heart. I want this to be something that you decide. And then he goes on to say, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. So, and this is really where he's saying, you know, I really think that God's providential hand was in this. Um, You guys had this falling out. He ran away. And he's away from you for a time. And any time when there is a falling out between two people, uh, you need to give it time before you're really able to address any uh, attempt at re- reconciliation because the initial breakup is so difficult. It has emotion, it can have anger, it can have hurt. And so basically Paul is saying, you know what, maybe this time away was really necessary in order for you to be able to see Onesimus in the new way that he really is. Um and so he's really bringing in the providence of God in this. He says um, that you might have him back, and and then he's 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 sowing that seed. He goes, he goes not only that you would. Um, You know, I'm sending him back to you, but I'm not just sending him back to you for just, you know, whatever the the time that he might fulfill his role to you as a slave. But this relationship has now entered into a new realm of interacting. He no longer he's going to receive it no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother, he is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. And then verse 17 here. um, And this is where he's going to piggyback on verse 6 that that he had talked about in the introduction. And he says, So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And let's just revisit verse 7 again. I'm I'm sorry, verse 6. He says, I pray that your partnership with us, and he's talking about that koinonia, that fellowship, that participation, that mutuality in the faith, that it would be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. So basically, he's saying, you know what? There's kind of a there's kind of a very uh, a universally understood level of participation that we have. Um, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. But in a lot of ways, we look at our Christianity as a very private thing. We look at it as this is my relationship with God. This is how I relate to God. And we fail to see that our Christian relationship was never intended to be this private thing. It has always been purposed to operate in the public realm and what I mean by that is how we relate to one another first and foremost our brothers and sisters in the Lord is the template calling card that the world sees when they see how we interact with one another they are either drawn into that or they are pushed They are put off by it. And so much of the division that the world sees within the church is the very reason why they say, I I have no desire to have anything to do with organized religion. And so that's why we as believers need to go to that next level of depth in how it is that we interact with one another. And this is that opportunity that uh, Paul is outlining to philemon he's saying so if you consider me a partner if we have this in common then welcome onesimus as you would welcome me i don't want you to look at him any differently than you look at me he says if he has done any wrong or owes you anything charge it to me paul i paul am writing this with my own hand i will pay it back not to mention that you owe me your very self. And so basically, uh, this is Paul, and this is just such a beautiful picture. Um, This is actually one of the only books in the Bible where Paul doesn't actually talk about the Christian story of Jesus, but instead he models it by his very behavior. Paul is now acting as this reconciliation model in the same way that Jesus looked at the sinner On one hand and he looked at God on the other hand and he says I'm gonna be the one that causes both of these that are separated to come together in me by taking on the debt of the one who owed so that when the one that was owed the debt which is God looks upon this one that owed the debt he will see the debt has as having been paid because he's gonna see the one that owed in me and that's why Paul is saying Um, I'm going to pay that that debt whatever was owed you put that on my account and now when you look upon Onesimus you look upon him in the same way that you look upon me Philemon where we are brothers he goes on to say um, I do wish brother that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord refresh my heart in Christ I'm confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And this is basically Paul's concluding statement where he's saying, you know what, all of these things that I'm outlining, I know that you're going to do. And even more than them, I know you will do because your understanding of these things is true. And then he goes on to conclude, and he says, And one more thing, um, just just by way of practicality, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to, re- to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. And Paul ended up getting out of prison, and he did go and visit. And um, then he ma- basically makes this concluding statement, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demos, Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus um, be with your spirit. And so uh, Onesimus is taking this letter back to Philemon. This is a, and you can imagine what that must be like. Here comes Onesimus back to Philemon, and we don't know what kind of a reaction that, um, <laughs> it could have been something like, hey, before you say anything, please read this letter. And so Philemon reads that letter. And then he's like, "Oh wow, you know, what what could have been his reaction?" It's like, "Well, tell me about how how did you, how did you what, what was your salvation story like?" And so there was this there was this brand new opportunity for Philemon to receive Onesimus in a way that he never was able to before. And so I have uh, titled this message, "Can you see the opportunity?" Because essentially this story is one of real people and they are they are working through issues that real people have, which is from time to time there is an issue that we have with one another. And this story can really be looked at from three different perspectives. We can look at it from the perspective of Philemon, which is one that was wronged. He was wronged by someone else. We can look at it from the perspective of Onesimus. He was the perpetrator of this um, this wrong against Philemon, and then we can look at it from the perspective of Paul, who sees now two of his dear friends. Um, they've had a falling out, and so we can we may be in one two three or all of those different situations at at a specific time or another and so really we need to ask ourselves the questions how are we going to deal with that when we are wronged it's very easy to become angry to become hard-hearted to become disillusioned um, to want to have nothing to do with uh, seeking any kind of Uh, reconciliation, we don't want to forgive them, especially if that person doesn't come to us asking for forgiveness. If we are in the situation where we have wronged someone, sometimes we don't want to take uh, we don't want to be accountable or responsible for our actions, and so uh, we just we keep we keep a distance. We run away, just as Onesimus has done. And sometimes we're in Paul's shoes, where we see uh, two people that we know and love having a falling out, and we don't want to get involved because that's really we don't want to interfere. And so. The, the, the scripture is great because it really, God's hand is in each and every one of these roles. There is perspective that we can have. If we are, let's, and now let's take it from Paul's perspective. If we are in Paul's shoes, we want to be instrumental to try to do what it is that we can do to bring about reconciliation. And, and, and in essence, uh, Paul did what he could do in the person that was closest to him. Onesimus was the closest to him, but he also appealed to Philemon so that the, that he was being instrumental on both sides to try to bring about this reconciliation. On, in the case of Onesimus, if it really was by intent that he went to seek out Paul, how great of an example is that when you are the perpetrator of a wrong against someone that you maybe go seek out a third party that knows both of you to see what it is that you can do to be reconciled to that person that that uh, you hurt. Because maybe it's overwhelming, maybe it's just too big for you to bear And so what a great example it is to seek help when you are in that situation. And then finally, in the shoes of Philemon, uh, the instruction, which is really God's instruction uh, to the person that was hurt, he was basically being encouraged. He goes, you know what? Forgive him. Receive him back with a new potential. Don't simply just look upon him the way that you've always looked upon him and how easy is it for us when we have been wronged by someone yeah maybe we'll forgive it but maybe we don't forget about it. We, we keep a record of that account in, in the back of our minds. It kind of is this underlying attitude in how it is that we deal with that person. But that is not scriptural. One of the things that, that uh, Mark had preached on a while back was how even the existence of our sin is blotted out in how God deals with us when he forgives us of our sin. And so these are, all three of these people have been given an opportunity in how it is that they're they're going to deal with this. And I really want to just close this morning by saying something just a little bit. I want to take a step back and look at this situation more from a universal kind of a global perspective, which is that um, for Philemon, to forgive and to accept Onesimus as a brother as a co-equal in social standing would have been a huge disruption in Roman culture and social status because a slave and a master are not on the same um, level and so for Philemon to treat him as such would have been a very huge ask and what I want to really show is that the enemy is all about our destruction and one of the seeds that he will sow in order to bring about that destruction is division. If he can begin to divide us then that road of destruction has already begun because When we are, when we stick together, um, we then have the ability to overpower the enemy. But the moment that we begin to divide, then it's that whole divide and conquer kind of a strategy. And the enemy uses, Anything and everything that he could do in the, in the day and age in which, uh, Paul lived, it was the, it was the social standing of slave versus free or master. In our day and age, um, it's, it's race, it's gender, it's identity. And the big thing that we need to remember here is that when we are in partnership, when we are one in Christ, then there is no longer a division between anyone. We are all co-heirs of the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are, if you are hearing or people are, are throwing insults and uh, derogatory statements, um, it's because they're not in Christ Because that that is the area where the enemy wants to place all of the focus. This is the main crux of our division, whether it's race, identity, or uh, sexuality, or whatever that might be, gender. And the enemy wants to make that the very focal point of the struggle. And God says, no, that's not the focal point of the struggle. The focal point of the struggle is that you don't know Jesus And the moment that you know Jesus, then all of these other things that were dividing factors go away because we are now partners in the only thing that matters, which is we are no longer separated in our relationship with God. And so let us uh, go ahead and conclude in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for what it is that you are doing in our lives. And Lord, Give us the ability to see the opportunity that you place before us when we are going through struggles with people that we are in relationship with. And Father God, we may have been wronged or we may have wronged someone or we may see someone that's struggling. Father God, help us to see it as an opportunity for you to move, for you to use us in a way, Father God, that will bring about that reconciliation And mostly, Father God, that we would be able to partner with one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, we thank you, we give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content, please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.